The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hi Krishna everyone, you are listening to the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world, the late morning program with Namras. This is your host, Namras, and I'm here with one of my favorite devotees in the whole world, Amara Prabhu Dasan. Prabhu, oh. thank you so much Hare for Krishna. joining me. No, thank you for inviting me. I'm just uh, surprised that uh, finally we made it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time coming. I've been wanting to get you on for a while now. I know I made that flyer like a few months ago saying, you know, who all the guests who are going to come on and you were on there and devotees were very excited. They were like, oh, when is that happening? Anyway, for, for whatever reasons, it it, uh, it didn't happen exactly as we planned. But now you're here and I'm very excited to speak to you. Yeah, excited to do the same for with me. But you have to, you know, tolerate my English, you know. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a well, German. For those of you who don't know, um, Amar Prabhu is from Germany, and he actually performed my wedding about eight years ago. Yes, eight wow. years ago now. We married, and uh, he's come to America to do a number of uh, rituals for our ISKCON temples, uh, the groundbreaking of New Jersey, etc. And he's just a very, um, very... Uh, expert and also very humble devotee devotional to his and a great devotee of lord narsingadev i'd like to talk about that later as well but first of all prabhu let's talk a little bit about how did you come into contact with um krishna consciousness and devotees uh yes yeah i think you are asked this question everybody right this is yes, a I interesting do. That's how i started out that is an interesting thing because uh, everyone has his own like boat to to go. And um, you see, I'm I'm grown up in the in the east of East Germany, and um, you know when when we are, I mean, when I was born, and uh, you know, in the end of the sixties, there were, uh, I mean, a very strong regime of uh, communism and. There were no, but not not much people believing in Christianity or going to churches. So uh, eventually, I I grew up without baptizing and being a Christian, and I was not uh, you know being part of the Christian education, and we had our own education, the communist education, and so um, actually for this point, I was quite free to choose what I what I uh, had felt for in relation with God. So, um, yeah, then when I was, when I was in, in, in most probably in, in the time of most difficult time in myself, uh, uh, you know, there's like this saying that uh, people who come in contact with spiritual life, they're uh, either in uh, just curious, interested, or they want to know about everything or they're suffering. So I think in my case, it was, more like the suffering and curious thing uh, to do uh, my research on how God and uh, what's all about my life and why I'm here and like that. Actually, when I was very, very young, when I was like five, uh, there was happening a very strange incident, which uh, was really like uh, like an eye-opener for myself to... Uh, I was standing and uh, I still remember that was really 
like so much having influence on myself. So I was in the kitchen. Uh, yeah, and I was in kitchen. No, no, I was in the bathroom. Sorry, in the bathroom washing my teeth. Right, so standing in front of a mirror, and I looked in the mirror, and then suddenly a voice came in my head and saying, "Okay, uh, you're looking like this now, but you have looked different before in your previous time." Uh, and uh, that got I was like shocked and i was just running to my mother like oh but uh later on that always came back so that uh that i have been on this earth not the first time and um uh this is a several time coming back and uh this time i really have to fix my life um and uh yeah so that was actually the start you could say for my search huh? we really um because when you grown up in the in the communist time you had no choice you just uh, had to follow what they was giving as a as a way to live and um you know me as a free spirit uh didn't go along with that system very well and um therefore uh i was always opposing that and i really um you know i really wanted to go my own way and yeah that helped me a lot that kind of incident as a young very young kid, huh? And then when did you meet? Uh, so how did you come in contact with Vaishnavism? Yeah, interesting. <clears throat> you know, we um, because I was, uh, you know, very uh, rebellious, you could say, in the time, um, in in the Eastern time, and I really had to uh, had a had a big struggle in uh, uh, in my life. Actually, when I was just starting with thirteen, I, I became. Uh, like a kind of punk rock living in uh, living outside and uh, yeah, I was 13 and I really uh, had to do my my way to to the system and um, yeah, so then finally uh, you, you know when when everything is shattered on 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 the ground and you feel like where you have to where you have to go and uh, there's only one way you can approach inside to to uh to do a prayer i think that was the time when i was uh having uh almost you know facing death and uh, i had a, like a kind of near death experience and uh i was uh praying very strongly to uh help me and that really changed everything and that deep prayer changed a lot and um yeah so like like uh and then actually <clears throat> You know, in the hardcore, when later on, when I was in the hardcore scene in in in, in West Berlin, because I was escaping from East and finally to the to the west side of of Berlin, uh, in the hardcore scene, there was this uh, new movement coming with the straight age and uh, vegetarianism, and also the Krishna philosophy entered, and um, there was this famous, very famous band called Chromex, and they had like, uh, you know, on tour in 1987 and. I was uh, going to the show, and there were only fifty people on that concert. And wow. we met, yeah, we met like the the singer and the bass player, and we just talked to them. And there was straight, you know, like oh, because I was saying, yeah, I'm coming actually from the east. And um, then they were like, wow, cool, you're coming from the east. And you know, and then uh, this John Joseph was saying, oh, they're like putting all the Hare Krishnas in jails and very bad and that really started to get interested because you know as the punk movement was really under pressure in the communist time so the people were going to the jail just being 
looking different and uh so that was hitting me it's like like why the high krishnas has to go to jail just because of their belief huh? and uh so um then i got Bhagavad gita and i got the seventh canto the first because that was uh, uh like the cover of the chromex record and uh so then yeah so that that was the start and early 90s i went to india and did my let's say my own exploration of that country it's like that really blew my mind you know i was staying there like for four months uh my english was really bad in that time i mean worse than now you can imagine going to india with that kind of uh well, well, well nothing to speak <laughs> you know so then uh this was really uh, a really hardcore experience in india wait, wait so how did you go to india you just like went to india just like that without contacting anyone or Naya, that uh, the devotees was telling me, you know, if you really want to uh, experience India, you have to come to us. Now you have to come to different holy places. And I got a book called The Magic Travel to India. And uh, with that book, that was like a uh, like a esoteric guide for people who want to explore India. And uh, so I visited Sai Baba and I visited different other ashrams, but. Uh, yeah, the devotees were on my picture, and um, in Puri, the first time I went to that little shrine of Bhaktivedanta, I think and it was really like just a little hut in that time. And um, yeah, it was them I you know started. Then I really felt because before I always was uh, very not trusting the movement to being authentic because I really wanted something authentic uh, and um, really from the spiritual point of of you really like traditional and um and that was really something which hit me seeing it in india and seeing the devotees in india and seeing jagannath puri and seeing i have been first to south india actually and um and there were not many devotees so to say but uh like the normal indians you know with tilak every day morning and uh and also there in kanchipuram i was coming uh there to the temple of radharaj and uh, there was a big sign, non-Hindus not allowed. Huh? And I was standing there and thinking about how I can go there inside. And then this one Bala who was on the entrance, he was selling like Tilak and Punals, I mean, Gayatri, Upavitas, and uh, you know, this standard stuff for Pujas. And then he asked, yeah, you just put Tilak, Namam, you put, and then you can enter. And then <laughs> I didn't know what to, to say. Then he said, yeah, you showed me, you made it for me, you put it. And then I went in, I had like one of the first dashans were actually Varadaraj. And um, wow. I've seen like the whole, uh, you know, procession and uh, they all thought, you know, they looked this white elephant there. And I looked really strange. I had not like fully white dhoti stuff, and I, like collared ones and, you know, <laughs> looking like a hippie, but having the big namam. <laughs> it was really cool. And uh, so seeing it in India, like, uh, this is authentic. That has really some some value here. And I uh, came back to in, uh, from India, and I immediately joined the, the temple, and uh, uh, I gave up because before I was staying in the squad, you know, and you know, after Berlin Wall fell down, it was it was the big thing here in in, in Germany, and um, and the devotees had you know great success going to the east, distributing books all over, and. Um, so I, I, uh, you know, I invited the devotees to come to the to our squad and do, you know, kirtan and prasadam and, 
but then I said, I have to make a change. I cannot be like this half-baked potato, you know. So I either uh, stay and rot with the punks or I will, you know, do a change in my life. So I really uh, uh, decided. And that was actually the good time because um, I was still young. Huh? I was like only 20, 22, something like in that time. Yeah. So I could make that change. I could stay in the temple for some time and, uh, yeah. How long did you live in the temple for? Mm. Naya, that was a uh, Berlin time was um, having the temple up to, I think, 94. I think there were some problems and then they had to give up the temple. So, uh, but up to 94, I was staying in the temple. I was staying then in Heidelberg also. In Heidelberg, there was their main center of, um, they called it the Center of Vedic Studies. And uh, it was just... Uh, course Hare Krishna program but <laughs> center for Vedic right. studies and uh, yeah so then uh, later I, I moved to the farm also and uh, yeah that gave like the whole change uh, was that like a zonal acharya time 90 yeah 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 yeah, yeah of 90s? course of course yeah yeah, right, yeah right. was still there that so actually the... you know when I when I uh, after seeing the chromex and going on their tour and coming back to Berlin of course I wanted to meet the devotees and uh going to the temple in that time 87 88 that was like uh you either join or you out yeah. you know you're not part of it yeah yeah and um so i i i came there and i was still like you know having uh camouflage trousers and boots and shaved up and sometimes i had tiger tiger colors on my head <laughs> it was looking really weird and, and and they didn't like me of course you know and uh and you know, I also could not survive in that time in the temple, most probably because they were very strict. And um, I had still that feeling, uh, you know, I can do something in this outside world, you know. And um, yeah, but um, the zonal Acharya thing went uh, up to Harikesh left, actually. Yeah. Mm. But it was more open than in the early 90s because then other gurus were allowed to initiate. But, uh, you know, in the, in the 80s, I mean, there were no sonal other guru allowed to come or initiate anybody. And uh, those people who were initiated by other gurus, they had to leave and live somewhere else in other temples where the guru were living or, you know, having the whole, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then when did you kind of get involved in um, like rituals and things like that? How did that interest start? Uh, actually, it started when I moved in the temple. I I uh, I had already interest in in uh, learning um, like a procedure of doing a puja. When I was living even in the squat, you know, I I had my little room where I started to build like an altar there, you know, with some pictures and some incense. And then I wanted to learn how to do the offerings. You know? <laughs> But in the temple, really, that started because I, I saw Pujaris living on strict schedule. And uh, somehow that was giving me some in interest to uh, see that uh, they were, you know, handled really purely in a way that could really, uh, I don't know, it was a, this was this kind of atmosphere of pure environment with the Pujaris and um, that I really liked. Uh. And um, so at that time, also in Germany, they had this German farm, like a, a Pujari training camp. Every 
actually every devotee from even from Poland, Czechoslovakia and uh, Yugoslavia had to come to the farm and get the standard training for doing Archana and um, also with the uh, with the Astarata in that time, Astarata Prabhu, who was, uh, who was in that time still was uh, like a like a guru uh, on the on the farm, living uh, doing the Radha Madan Mohan Seva, uh, he was taking care about uh, these uh, things. And I I went to the farm and I saw how they're uh, and learning these things. So then um, that was getting deeper. Finally, Astarata was kicked out from the temple. And actually he came to Berlin and in that time our temple got split and I had a little flat and he was staying in my place and he showed me how to do Shaligram Puja. I went there, you know, just next room. And he was like doing his Shaligram Puja in the next room. And every morning I was sitting there and I saw also his disciples coming and bringing garlands and uh, offerings. And that was really like, uh, like the initial start for myself because seeing like the eagerness others doing the worship and uh that you know i got fire with that and uh also asarata is a very how you say a very paka uh, uh you could say paka you know how he arranged everything how, how nicely the deities is dressed and the shaligram is painted and uh um, that was very attracting in that time for me and who's that devotee i've never heard of him before Asarata Prabhu, yeah, he is a he was a proper or he is a proper disciple, and um, he was in charge for the farm of uh, Radha Madan Mohan worship, and he was mainly staying there, and he had like few devotees as uh, his shishyas, and um, so uh, only in the in the mid of the nineties there were some political issues uh, with him and and and, and Harikesh, and there were like. Um, you know, and he, he left the farm from one day to the next and uh, finally he left also Iskon. But uh, in in that time he uh, was a guru. Yeah, he was coming to Berlin, giving classes and uh, initiating people. Oh, wow. Never mm. heard of I remember seeing I remember seeing on something of your social media, one devotee, older devotee, kind of with a beard and he was, he had, he had left his body and uh, he was also a he was also into pujas and rituals, right? Patmanabha, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Tell us about mm. him. Who is he? He was a, a, um, a great pujari, you could say, and a worshiper of Sita Ram. And um, he was on the farm for a very long time. I, I don't know, maybe twenty years, doing the pujas there along with Astarata. And okay. but he was more like a, a Narasimha a, a pujari. And uh, he took care for Narasimha and um, he lived on the farm with his wife. His wife is a Prabhupada disciple, Madana Lhasa, and she was, um, both of them raised their kid on the farm also, Hanuman, is the name, their son Hanuman. And <clears throat> he was really fouled. He was like a very, uh, very uh, mm, special person. He could know the personality of one, even he doesn't look the, at, at the chart. He was also astrologer, and uh, he lived, yeah, he lived with that astrology, and uh, he helped many devotees uh, in, you know, uh, doing the readings and helping them and their psychology problems. And he was a great mentor, you could say. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, when you learned all these rituals, like you were interested in them, then you you went to India to further your study, right? Tell us a little mm. bit about that. Yeah, I mean, 
in 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 that time i was uh you know getting my first narasimha deity in the early 90s and i really wanted to understand how to worship him properly how to do like prana patishta and uh so i got really interested in that and then i had to uh decide if i want to stay in um in uh Vrindavan and uh nothing learning about this uh, uh particular worship or do i have to go somewhere and uh seeing the worship how it's done in in, in a way uh, uh for for narasimhas and and um that was the decision was made i was just staying six weeks in in, in vrindavan and i you know did a nice bhajan and sanatan goswami's uh, bhajan kutir and chanted you know 64 rounds with that goal i want to go to south and meet the teacher and uh when that six weeks was over and my japa was over i decided okay i'm going now to south first i went to ahobilam and uh in that time ahobilam early 90s was really like a jungle and um it was not much developed <clears throat> and then of course i went to other places like again i went to kanchipuram and then i realized actually kanchipuram and ahobilam they are interconnected also because there is in the kanchi mahatmya a story like how narasimha had come from Ahobilam to chase some demons. And, uh, you know, those <laughs> those demons were hiding in different mountains like Sholingapuram and then went to Kanchi in some cave and Narasimha always followed him. That is described in the uh, Kanchi Mahatmya. And uh, so those those temples have also uh, yoga Narasimha or special Narasimha worship. So I was traveling then finally to different places to, uh, you know, meet people and, and in that time, you see, there was still cassettes going, and these, you know, cassettes. You had a little player with you, and then you, re, you know, retune and listening with the cassettes. And it's not uh, uh, was not so easy to do recordings. Also, with some people of like pandits, when they wanted to do a recording, you had to either memorize or write it down. And so that study with those people was very difficult also because we were one of the first, so to say, white people who wanted to learn something from them are both or, or, you know, separate to to uh, what they normally would expect if Westerner would come. And they were very hesitant also to teach. Uh, and uh, right. it took me many, many, many years to finally meet somebody who really would uh accept me as like as i am you know? like uh, ex-punk uh coming from east germany and yeah so that uh, took me a long time to uh go to india and and uh yeah learn that... with, with a proper person huh? yeah how, tell us a little bit about kind of like the um you know being from a western background and uh and western body you felt kind of discriminated against when you were trying to learn these deeper parts of ritual and puja and things because you're because there's a lot of it's a lot about your birth right what where what caste you are or what gotra and all that stuff yeah definitely it's it's still in in that particular particular in desk in that group of people because they're you could say the head of the society of the vedic knowledge because they are keeping it protected. They are uh, uh, their secret knowledge. There's things which has to be hidden. There has to be protected, and they're very, uh, how you say, um, 
they stay stay back you know see who you are and uh it is it is like the story of the sen sen master and his disciple who's like uh, wanted to come to a living in the monastery but the master says you stay outside of the of the of the wall and uh you have to live in front of the door and rain comes and uh you know for weeks he's not leaving you in he puts you a little bowl of rice every day and similar i mean it's not that uh that they were unfriendly but uh um it is not very easy in, in that time to to get attached to a person nowadays because iskon is very famous all over india and they have a, a high recognition of those people as uh you know really sincere and honest and uh so then the brahmins are more open and um really welcoming you but in that time it was very difficult uh to to find somebody they will always say yes yes come back tomorrow oh next week oh i'm on tour i'm come back uh you yeah they probably wouldn't tell you to your face like hey i can't teach you because you're you know germany german okay. <laughs> German. <wouldn't> say <laughs> You won't say that because no, yeah, uh, yeah, politely. Yes, yeah? so some people were more rough if you, you know, insisted. Uh, <laughs> if you're insisting, like I really want to learn from you, strangle yeah. them, and then they're like, I cannot. I go close, don't come close, or something. Uh, but some people, you know, they have culture, and of course, they don't want to, you know, hurt you. Uh, they don't want you. Uh, to feel bad, but at the same time, they want to uh, protect their pure environment in a way that if you enter, I can also understand, you know, if you enter and steal the steal the knowledge which you might uh, misuse and uh, do some nonsense, then they're responsible for that. So, mm. um, yeah, in that time, there were more, more, uh, I would say, closed. Huh? You could not right. really... Uh, and um, yeah, we we, uh, we had like uh, a difficult time to meet good people, mm. but uh, in the same time, when you go to the temples and see the rituals, it is already elevating. You know, like in uh, it said, and even in Hari Bhakti Vilas, it doesn't matter if you watch Abhishekam or you perform it by yourself. The same benefit is there. So when you go to the temple, eventually you see the rituals. The benefit is the same as the priest. Yeah, you understand. So that is like. Uh, you know, we got all the same benefits seeing all these rituals. If they would performing it on their self, I mean, doing it for their self, but they did it for the public. So then you understand, oh, now he's doing Agiam, now he's doing this uh, Achmaniam, now he's putting Alankara and yeah, like that. Right. Uh, the benefit is still with us. So then uh, I got really uh, uh, like a blessing in disguise. Huh? So mm. tell us a little bit about. Uh, the importance you feel about rituals because sometimes I hear devotees speak like rituals and some scars are not important in the context of like pure bhakti and the highest uh, the highest forms uh, and and the, the, the high stages of bhakti those things are kind of more meant for grahastas and for children in particular and things like that so what is the role of rituals in the mm. life of a devotee and why is it important do you feel like for example i i find it important just because you know i had my children and we you know we did their hair cutting and the first grains and things and we all got together and we had prashadam and kirtan and things it was very 
it was a very uplifting experience. But I, I don't necessarily agree that it's not important. Uh, but some devotees do say that because it, in the context, as I said, of of pure bhakti and that higher stage. You want to mm. say anything about that? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you're right. Uh, it is like a ritual. It could be like a crutches. Yeah? It's like a, a, um, a tool for uplifting the soul. And um, I would say we, more than 90% of us are having uh, that that uh, uh, problem with, um, with not feeling the soul always present. And rituals are there, especially samskaras, are for polishing uh, the soul that it's like a raw diamond found in the in the riverbed and you somehow you have to bring out the light from it by polishing it with a special tool with a special machine so ritual can be used as a as a tool also and uh it and yeah it's a of course it's it's not like absolute needed it's it's for your devotion to god you have to learn pujas or something yeah mm-hmm. but uh in in in, in the same time it is uh, a fantastic experience to be connected to uh, to God in a way like you communicate with Him. Uh, rituals are like a communication with the devas, you know, even the mudras and the mantras in certain sections and uh, the swaras, the melodies, and it it will en- enhance and uplift the soul. It is different to like. Uh, mm, like playing cricket, you know, you feel unity, okay, that made you fit and that's okay. But this will carry on for many, many days. It can even enhance you for weeks and months. Some people say for the whole life, you know, there are some scholars which are only done once in life and uh, rituals are only done in, once in life and they will carry the soul to the next to the next, next destination. And of, of course, huh? As I say, it's not needed. If you do bhajana, only sit under a tree in Vrindavan and that's it, and you're satisfied with flat rice and, and, and water, good, fine. But most people are not. You know, Most people are living in this world and they want to experience life also. They don't want to miss it out in the end of life and saying, oh, uh, I, have, I, have, I had so many desires, I could not fulfill them, and now I'm craving for them. And that will bound the soul to the next destination and that will be not... Uh, very good in uh um yeah so therefore rituals are there for purification also this of the soul to to fix the soul to you see i've seen many people coming to to the movement and uh they're in the beginning are fired up and then they're you know wah, 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 and everything looks good but then they're struggling and they mm-hmm. don't know where to go with with their struggle huh because yeah. and, and ritual can be a tool it's not saying that it's all has to be fully, but it can be a tool to access or to overcome that difficult time. Really? You know? can, so, can you give an example of that? I'm interested in what in that. What do you mean? I mean that? You said you said if someone is in, is is uninspired or someone's not, they come to the movement, they're very enthusiastic, but then that enthusiasm goes down. How does rituals play a part in maybe getting them out of that? Yeah. Um, you can say if somebody gets a shaligram in their marriage, but before they were always struggling, uh, uh, but the uh, shaligram will regulate them to do uh, their, you know, material and spiritual needs. Mm. So that is already an uh, uh, example. There are many, many other examples, like when, uh, like some scars also can bring families together, and that creates 
the next generation for our kids, you know, is something really important. You can give something for the future generations because those kids who, when they're grown up, yeah, when they meet Christians, they will say, oh, the Christians will say, I got baptism and I got my, I don't know what, what Christianity has, but there, there are some, definitely some kind of baptism in, in, in there, which yeah. creates the identity to be a Christian. So what, what the Hare Krishnas will say, yeah, we have, we have every day Sunday feast and yeah, okay, but then you can also say, I had this samskar, this samskar, this samskar, I had hair cutting, grain, I had uh, my first school, my uh, first uh, suite, and uh, the first sunlight, and, you know, there will be like, wow, <laughs> so it's, you know, this identity crisis will be not so much with the next generation, and they will identify, you know, being proud of them, uh, uh, being a uh, you know, Sanatan Dami, uh, being a Hare Krishna, or being, you know, in connection with the uh, Vedic uh, knowledge. And uh, that yeah. makes them, you know, strong in society. Some some devotees also say that, okay, it, this is all good, but this is Indian culture. And for Krishna consciousness to spread all over the world, uh, we have to kind of let go of certain things, whether it's the the way we look, the way we dress, the rituals we might do for other people of other cultures to be able to take on the movement uh, practices such as chanting and and reading and so on and so forth. So, what would you say to someone who says that these things are not important? These are Indian cultural things. Yeah, yeah I would say uh, that is his belief, and uh, you can s still see, you know, like uh, like the Krishna movement had come from India. Nobody was interested in that time in India about, uh, you know, Krishna and Radha. Now you go to Vindavan, or not Vindavan, you go to Delhi, or you go to any place, uh, Surat, or you go Maharashtra, everybody will call you Radhe Radhe, Hare Krishna, da, 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 da. because, Krish uh, you know, Krishna consciousness went from India, where nobody was interested, into the West, that became famous in the West, and then the Indians all pick it up again. So... Um, I wouldn't say that matters for for the for the sense that uh, if somebody wants to preach it in a way which is more adjusting to the Western culture, why not? You yeah. know, have their Krishna West. We will have our Krishna East and Krishna North, Krishna South. But the main thing is, you know, Krishna. You know, never forget him. Always remember him. And uh, if you do it in 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 the traditional way, that is brilliant you know you can connect everything with it you can connect music you can connect dance you can connect uh, uh, meditation yoga all in the traditional way or you do it in a more modern way mm. okay good have you uh, felt uh, more have you felt more enlivened being more connected with the traditional way yes of course i mean in, in my sense uh, you know when i'm in india i feel really at home i just like uh, it's like my flow okay that's my personal thing but you know, uh, I see others also if they connect with India, then they're like, ding, they're like on, <laughs> on their track. It is not for everybody. Again, you know, it's like uh, some people feel India is horrible because it's dirty. And, uh, uh, you know, my in, in, in my first trip in India, I was staying in one of the most cheapest and most dirtiest, so to say, hotel in Pahaganj. Uh, just I, when I was flying back after four months in India and I was really having, you know, a lot of, like, I don't know, typhoid and I was really sick. I was in, in that room. There was nothing. The window was 
you know, full of garbage outside and uh, the room was full of mosquitoes and uh, the room was just horrible. But there was a written sentence on the wall and that sentence really made made my trip to India because uh, that was everything. I was saying that, uh, you know, when you see only the dust in India, you will only see the dust, but you have to look behind under or under under the dust there's gold you have to find that gold under the dust and yeah. that really hit myself it's like that's it india actually that is you know that's ancient culture which is still breeding its life and um i'm not interested in bollywood and i'm not interested in in um you know uh like how modern india is is developing and uh i'm more in in the way i you know i want to feel that ancient india Mm. It's maybe Ketu oriented, but like <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good segue into uh, astrology. So, for those of you who don't know, our listeners, uh, Amar Prabhu is also an astrologer, and he has studied uh, astrology to an extent. So, I wanted to kind of ask him about what he thought about what's going on in the world right now with COVID and all the different social unrest and things that's going on. What's your perspective on that from a your personal perspective but also an astrological one hmm. <clears throat> you see i'm 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 not an expert in astrology first of all i'm interested in astrology in the sense of doing remedies and using it for rituals and especially oh, right. there is this devalaya uh, uh devalaya jyotish which is connected to the deity worship which is very interesting subject and um so that is uh, a little different i'm I do from time to time helping people getting a good astrologer and I myself study astrology. That's true. Um, I, uh, but yeah, so I think nobody had seen coming this in the way that it would happen such a incident. Even, I mean, nobody in India who I know who was a good astrologer or you know, some mystic magic man. I know one person, his name is Lakshmi Narayan. He lives in, in, uh, in Sri Rangam and he could really you know he's he's good i mean he could see something and he was telling me uh just before covid started i was in in india and uh he was saying that will be very difficult time coming but nobody knew that will be a pandemic there will be a lockdown there will be you know many people dying and all that so uh so first of all, I wouldn't say that uh, many people knew about it. So therefore, astrology is still a mystery, and uh, it gives a lot of, um, um, I would say, black holes there. Um, a, even a good astrologer sometimes maybe cannot predict his own death or you know death of his relatives. Right. Um, so therefore, yeah, one has to be very careful dealing with astrology and in, in a way of predicting anything. Um, but in the same time, astrology can be a good tool for helping to see your own personality in a way which you have never thought about it maybe yeah which gives uh, a, a side of your personality to uh see really oh okay i never thought about that i i'm egoistic <laughs> or that i'm uh like very uh, uh yeah that i i need some help from maybe uh, uh some other person uh to overcome that problem so astrology can tell you this and regarding the COVID thing, definitely it will go on for some, some time. And people have predicted now, now they're predicting it up to the end of 2024. 
So because it is connected to the Saturn and Jupiter and the connection with uh, Ketu in, in the time of uh, when all the thing happened and um, we we try to uh, you know see Jupiter and Saturn you know normally this is like Jupiter is the the guru he is Akash he is the total sky you know and Saturn is it's like uh, it's destiny it's like you know it's it's gross you could say in in, in a way huh but uh, so when they hit each other. It's like Shudra and the Brahmin who really not can go mm, nicely together. And um, they call it Yama Yoga. There's a kind of Yama Yoga with Ketu together, aspecting and all that. Anyhow, so that, that showed uh, a big problem. And uh, people seeing afterwards saying, okay, that uh, you have to look when it happened in, 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 in the past. So we were calculating and thought. It only happened in the same house with the same planets, almost the same, only in the 13th century, you know, when the flag was there, then in the 8th century again. And, you know, wow. see from the from the historical point, it's a very rare occasion. And uh, but seeing it from when you see this perspective with Mars and Ketu, uh, it's the time of the Second World War. So it has definitely some changes of society. That is for sure. But I, I'm not predicting anything in connection for that. Mm. Some devotees or some people say that, uh, you know, this is, this is going to change life for good. Like we're, we're all waiting for something to happen for everything to go back to normal again. But you know, it's, <laughs> I feel like it's, I don't think things are going to be normal again. There's never going to be a normal. There's just going to be the new normal. And it's not yes. like a, a group of, you know, a cavalry is going to arrive and save us all. Like, ah, oh, it's all now. It, yeah, exactly. Everything's normal again. So, yeah, it's, it's right. interesting. It, it's, it's interesting in our lifetime. We've all been living with, I mean, me personally, I have like very comfortable life, very without any. I mean, the biggest thing was like September 11th here in America, you know, in 2001. And mm. that life really changed. But now we have another thing that came. You know, life is really changing after this. Right. Yeah, yeah it's all over. I mean, uh, I just did some traveling to Poland, uh, Czechoslovakia, and uh, going downtown to Austria. And seeing those three different countries already, you see how the government's dealing there with the situation. But, yeah. you know, as I say, uh, it definitely will do a, a, a change. It's a change in the system, a change in in personal uh, uh, mind mindset because uh, and it, it will be we pray it will be always for the good because that is our intention as uh, uh, as devotees we we do that prayer that loka samasta sukino bhavantu may all the living beings on this loka which is bu loka uh, feel happiness or become shanti become uh, uh, you know but yeah yeah. What what um when you talked about remedies because you were saying how you use astrology for you know deity worship but also and pujas rituals but also for remedies is there any remedy to help out someone who may be going through some real heavy mental um uh, you know opposite of peace like uh, real kind of imbalance or not imbalance, but maybe some real disturbance. Is there any remedy for what's going on right now? Or is it kind of just like a really large astrological time that everyone has to just go through? 
Yeah, I mean, there is, uh, you know, like when there was war breaking out between India and Pakistan in the 1999, uh, this Kargil conflict, people were doing homas and rituals in that time. I was staying in India and learning with some pundits, and I saw how they do this. You know, they're called Price Chitta. And in that Price Chitta area, you find like different sections for country, for state, or for community, you know, villages or personality for your own personality you can do and of course you can you can always pray a, uh, a ritual is a prayer in a way in a more formulated form uh, with some gesture which is uh, uh, like uh, connected to devotion and definitely you can do and uh, it's not that uh, you know one has to take that burden and uh, uh, just let it go no uh, Rituals are there for for upliftment to society, so uh, definitely. And um, there are what's called Shatta Abhishekam, which they have done in Sri Rangam Temple after the COVID lockdown last year. They have do, done thousand kalashas Abhishek for the Moti, and um, in other temples also in Kanchipuram or in Tirupati. Uh, in a big one, big temples, uh, to counteract those uh, those problems. And of course, uh, some of my priests from who I've learned in India, they are, they are performing every day those rituals for people. Huh? Wow. Wow. Yeah. What's the connection? Because I see that you have a lot of influence from South India and more particularly Sri Vaishnavism. What's the connection? Or how do you even... Uh, you know, harmonize that you joined Krishna consciousness, Hare Krishna, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, but your influence is very much South Indian and Sri Vaishnavism. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, because I had always this conflict, you know, coming to, uh, um, you know, first of all, uh, being a Gaudiya Vaishnava initiate um, and then going to, to a Sri Sampradaya to learn and um, Finally, I, I, I still remember that incident when there was one, one, one uh, a teacher. He was telling very straightly to me, you know, it's like, uh, if you want to be, if you, if you want to be, a, um, you know, if you want to learn the way how the Pancharatra is, is learning, uh, then you have to follow the whole system. Uh, if you want to learn like a, like a Gaudiya, you have to follow the Gaudiya tradition. We have to understand both ways. So from that time on, uh, I, I I decided for myself, I really wanted to learn Pancharatra. So it um, doesn't mean I have any grunge with the with the Gaudiya tradition, but I feel more connected while I'm doing those, those rituals in the way uh, the Sri Vaishnavas perform. And I got also Pancharatra Diksha, which is a, a kind of ritual initiates of, of a priest who gets um, like the sacraments to being eligible to learn Pranapatishta, how to do Pranapatishta and how to perform it on the moti and uh, on festivals and so of course not like a like a fully expert um, I could only come for a few months and then go back to uh, to Germany but uh, um, yeah Can you tell That's us normally... about for those who don't know? What is that? Um, Pancharatra is like the basic Agama text for Vaishnavas. 
uh, which all Sanatan Goswami and Gopal, Gopal Bhatta had taken from. And um, they have picked up those, 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 those scriptures uh, to formulate and, and uh, make their own property, make their own way of conduct in, in rituals, which is later on con considered to be the uh, Hari Bhakti Vilas and the Satkriya Saradevika. So <clears throat> those two main books are famous in Gaudiya Vaishnavism in connection with Samskaras and uh, Deity Worship. Deity Worship is one section. We always have to understand that Samskaras for a personality is uh, different to a ritual in the temple, uh, because there are Agamas, which are uh, only for temple worship, only for the Deity. Uh, you do the Seva to the Deity and you do all the rituals to the deity, you don't do it on yourself. So the, for yourself, they are different. It's a different section that called samskaras. So they, are, <clears throat> they have uh, collected from the Panch Pancharatra uh, tradition, which is very, very ancient. And all Vaishnava tradition has taken their their sources from those, like the Madhvas, the, the Vallabhas, and uh, yeah, except maybe not the smartest, but um, yeah, because it's more a Vaishnava concept. And uh, so it, it it got enhanced with the Sri Vaishnava tradition because Ramanuja was very focusing on those texts to see there are no caste system in that. I mean, no one cannot say no, but there's very less. The concept is very, very, very low so that, uh, that everyone is eligible after getting Diksha to do ritual and to do deity worship. Um, so that is the very key mark in, 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 in the scriptures. And so therefore, Pancharatra is actually the source of all the other Vaishnava uh, um, uh, pradatis or mm. you know, way of conduct. There so was that one, is, Yeah, hmm? there's, a, there's a Prabhupada disciple, I believe it's Gorkeshava Prabhu, who actually, Srila hmm. uh, Prabhupada told him to, I don't know if you can verify this story, but if Prabhupada told him to go learn from the South Indian Brahmins and they told him that you have to be initiated into it. And he told Prabhupada, they're asking me that I need to be initiated. Mm. And Prabhupada said, that's fine. Is that, yeah. true? Is that how the story went? Yeah, but, I mean, yes, that's his story. And uh, actually, he's a, he's a brilliant personality. You should also invite him for it. <laughs> for... I, I have. We probably will do it. But he was a little... Cool. Uh, not sh so sure in the beginning, but uh, mm. I saw him no. yesterday on the uh, I saw him yesterday on the podcast we had. He was commenting <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the, uh, the Vaishnavi Diksha Guru episode that I did. And okay, he was, yeah, we're getting he likes to fight. Up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> He's, he, he was. I spoke to him on the phone, and it was it was nice talking to him. So I'd love to have him on and and talk yeah. about the history. He's, and yeah. like that. he's very he's very learned. I mean almost undefeatable in, in most of the subjects and uh yeah he's he's a good friend of mine and uh well wisher also of myself and so it's like yeah, yeah it's uh, uh it's true in the 90s I, I don't know sure which year you know please uh forgive if i say a wrong year maybe 78 or no not 78 not possible so like 75 or something the um juggernaut deities were installed in um in Hyderabad, and Prabhupada went there and those group of Brahmins came from Bangalore. And um, so Prabhupada was very pleased with them seeing how they are performed because he wanted to have like local Brahmins to do the installation that the temple get accepted by the communities of uh, of the common people in Hyderabad, an area yeah, like the under Andhra people. So then uh, they invited those Varakalai Brahmins from um, 
from Bangalore. He's watching. Oh, okay, cool. Hari, hari. Hari, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, and that that was just happening that uh, Prabhupada was very pleased and he 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 wanted that they um, uh, learn those uh, those suktas and the different rituals uh, from them. And he told to his uh, disciples, I'm I'm not sure which of disciples, but uh, they didn't go. And Gorkeshava heard about it and he said, decided, okay, I will go there and learn with them. So that Sampat Kumar, I think was his name, he was staying in Bangalore and learning with him. And then uh, he got, uh, yeah, uh, yes, okay, good, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the the he st he learned with that the the the. Um, Brahmins that came for that insulation, right? And uh, and and he he just not learned with them, but he also got the Pancharatra Diksha, and he mm -hmm. got the full. He I think he's the first ever you could say a white uh, personality who got these kind of uh, Pancharatra Diksha in uh, in in the worship of uh, doing. He was authorized by by the Brahmin community to being uh, doing. Uh, a, a deity, you know, installation. So that is really something outstanding, and that was really quite early. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, it's the 70s. That's that's like very early. I mean, Vrindavan wasn't even discovered hardly by people. It was like a village. Right, right. And then right, for someone yeah. to come and to go to these South Indian Brahmins and be approved, like, okay, this is this person going who who is in a Western body is going to be able to do all these rituals that we all do. That's huge. Right. That's yeah. huge. Wow. Especially, you know, like like uh, you you were saying in the beginning, like it was all the caste concept. It was very yeah. difficult for us to to learn. And um, finally, you know that you are. Uh, when you have a teacher who is really like understands your personality and says, "Okay, you have to become a full-fledged uh, like Pancharatric personality," you will accept even my gotra. My means your car, you know, his cast from the guru, and um, so you will use that in 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 the ritual, you know. So that is connected to the parampara. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that is. Hmm. What would you say to someone who wants to learn, like a young person, who wants to learn these pancharatric um, practices, but who also is kind of staying within the Gaudiya Vaishnav framework? Mm. But they, but they, is it necessarily is it necessary to step outside of it and to learn from other places, or is it is it you know? I mean, it depends on what your attraction is but uh what would you say to someone who wants to learn essentially what would you tell them find a guru or read it from the books or what would what would they do and nowadays it's uh it's so much easier you know everything is on youtube where you have like uh all the classes on 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 pancharatra or um, hari bhakti vilas even there are many devotees who are publishing uh, hari bhakti vilas by by giving discourses on it so it's uh it's a good start. You you start to listen to those classes and you enhance your personality with uh, companies of people who be interested in in, in pujas and uh, from them you can st step by step learn. And finally, when it comes to the point of learning pratishta, you might have to join where there is some pratishta going on, and then you be an assistant. And with the assistance, you will learn more and more in details. Like yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you do you do any teach? Do you have any students that you teach? 
No, I mean, not really students. I have friends who come and I show them something, yeah, something right, like that. Right, right. And, and when you talk about Pratishta, I, I, I've noticed that you talked about Pratishta a lot. Is that like the main thing or is that the most complicated thing? Why that's the that? most complicated thing, yeah. That's oh, like, okay. uh, that's like, uh, I mean, from the perspective of Pancharatra, it's the most difficult thing. Therefore, um, like the Shaligram worship is so much easier. You know, people would say, oh, Shaligram, you know, I have been five times to uh, Muktinad, walking there, collecting Shaligrams. Picking up Shaligram from the Gandaki is one point. Yeah, It is maybe not so easy to start a worship, but if you get a Shaligram through... Uh, uh, a blessed soul, that puja will much, much more enhance anything else. What uh, what you can expect by um, doing like a moti worship, mm. because moti worship is more difficult. Mm. Uh, one thing I remember is on chalagram.net, Even before I even knew who you were, I saw that you had a like a journal web page there about how you went to Damodar Kund. Can you tell us a little bit about the first time you went? Because that's so fascinating. Uh, devotees who walk there, like like nowadays, it's like not even possible to go there because of like certain uh, checkpoints. <laughs> You're not allowed to go past and things like that. But tell mm. us a little bit about that. That's fascinating. I'd love to go there one day. Yeah, but it's like uh, now. First of all, I wanted to make that path like uh, Kupapata was going from Vrindavan to uh, to Gandaki, you know. Yeah. Then I then I I I found out uh, most likely have not been to Damodarkund. Most no, don't don't uh, how you say don't throw rocks at me, no. But uh, because you're saying in, you have you didn't go to Damodarkund. No, I not uh, Kupapata. Like oh, oh oh yeah oh right yeah, yeah because Gopal it's, Bata. it's okay, such a. Uh, it's it, it is such a long way just to find chaligrams when you can get chaligrams already much 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 before. You know? Right, I and, see what you're and 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 Damodakund, it's a, a dry land, you could say. We walk uh, from Muktinath itself. You have to walk six days by foot, and there is, I mean, particularly no inheritance of living beings anywhere. There's one place called Yara, and it's a kind of Buddhist monastery with few houses around who they're living some people who have some sheeps and they bring them up to the mountains but when it's very cold and even those people decline more towards the lower regions of um, that Mustang area and uh, so I went with a friend from Switzerland my friend Chirasuka good good boy and uh, so we had our we prepared ourselves to get first all the licenses because you had uh, to bring in some guides, you know, from the government. They had to give up the guide because there were some, uh, how you say, uh, between each country, say like China and Nepal, because in that time when their war in, in Tibet was, all the Kams, the Kams are like our, uh, a kind of tribe who fight against the, the Chinese people. And they were hiding in that area, in that Mustang area. Yeah, and uh, so so to prevent any uh, rebels to live there, uh, the Chinese paid the Nepal government to clear that area, and therefore the Mustang was declared as a as a no go area for tourists for around thirty years or forty years something. It only opened up in the nineties, uh, early time, and uh, so we were going there. And uh, once we passed Kagbeni, there was a check post and. Um, and they told us, and this was uh, middle of May, huh? like in, in around in the middle of May, 
and they say, oh, just one group had to come back because they're like two big passes or uh, uh, like high, high pass. Uh, they had to come back because there was too much snowfall and uh, they could not go further to Damodakund. And uh, so they wished us good luck. And uh, so we had like, I think six or eight people to take along to go to Damodakund because it was not just like a, a easy trip by your own self. Actually, you know, my friend always said, oh, let's go alone you know, just take some cookies. and But then realizing actually in that area, you will die there, you know, because it's like, it's, it's a very high altitude. And uh, especially him, he was like, uh, oh, I will walk bare feet, you know. So he put on his, his uh, slippers. I mean, you know, like these, uh, these uh, shoes for the sadhus, you know, he was walking with the sadhu shoes of, of a high altitude of 5,000 meters. And of course, it was very cold and there was some snow and the altitude made us all sick, you know. So we were like, uh, you couldn't walk. I mean, we were walking 11 hours from one from one place to another, but still we didn't make it very far because you had to like, uh, you know, no air. And that's, uh, and our, you know, we had to carry our luggage. And uh, so that was really like a, like a difficult time to go and um and Damodakund when we came there uh after you know those we were walking from Beni you know Beni to Muktinath which takes another five days and then from Muktinath to Damodakund another six days so that was like a whole trip of 11 days walking and um when you reach there finally you couldn't believe that's it no that's Damodakund because we didn't see we didn't walk all the time on on the Gandaki because Gandaki it's an area actually Damodakund yeah. and 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 Gandaki it's a river which is widespread it has actually Gandaki is only called Gandaki after Kakbini, before it's called different, you know, there's oh, like, really? there's even, there's even the Singha Kola, uh, Kola means stream, uh, yeah. like that said, it's like seven streams which flow in and becomes uh, one big river. And so we had to follow in certain ways. And we had this funny guide from the government who was, uh, uh, yeah, as I said, you know, he didn't know the, where to go to Damodakund, but he was ordered by the by the by the uh, Nepali government that we are not cr doing crossing, you know, that we're not crossing the Chinese border. And we had to take another local guide who was finally, because we got lost. Eh? We were somewhere and this guy didn't know where to go. And we we just searched and there was a little hut and this guy, he agreed to come with us. So, and yeah, so it was um, coming finally to Damodakund was, I mean, it was really, really super. I just can say it's that like uh, tiny, it's just like a tiny kun, right? Yeah, it's actually a few kuns. Uh, they're like uh, they're like two big ones and then few smaller ones. And you're on more on a high elevated uh, platform, and below there is a, fl uh, a dry riverbed also, which uh, which leads up to another spot which calls Brigukutachala, which is uh, or Damuda Himal. These are like two big mountains. From where the saw, you could say source. The source actually is Damodakun, but uh, that stream also goes further. You see, you have to understand uh, the concept of of uh, uh, of source for um, like a Vaishnava or uh, a believer in the whole Vedic concept is that uh, the source is there where it is declared that uh, Narayana was standing there and declared, okay, that's the spot. 
we are not interesting by the material concept where maybe from some ice rock the water splashes out and that is the real source huh? because there was this one german tracker called bruno baumann he had researched the the source of um of Kali Gandaki, and he found it somewhere upper Mustang in some other totally different spot. And uh, anyway, on the way, you you have to walk maybe two or three days. You don't see any water at all. You don't know there is a Kali Gandaki. It's uh, just all dry riverbed and nothing really is there. But mm. in there, you will find also some Shaligrams. And they are saying that there's two different types of Shaligrams. It's um, that's um, what they call it, Stana, Shila, and and Jalash Shila, yeah? which one are found in the water and which are found in the ground. And those found in the ground are more difficult to worship than those from the water. And uh, it is much more easier to get the when you get the Shaligam from a friend or a well-wisher. The worship is much, much more enhancing if uh, in compared to when you go there and collect yourself. Because normally in the traditional way, you have to do Prayashita means you do forgiveness that you may have taken some mistake and you have to throw some tulsis and send some mantra and thinking about oh, i'm offering gold to gandaki and uh, doing some reward because you're taking something you know it's like the story was taking govardhan from govardhan uh, mountain so right. the similar thing is with uh, shaligram but it is not oh. very well known um yeah, yeah. so and so when I, you're there hmm? so you hmm? so you went there you went there and you looked for shilas in the damodar kund yeah, and that was a surprise. We didn't find any. <laughs> we really? were like, what is that? <laughs> no Shilas. We were walking around, taking bath and, you know, looking. And, uh, we are totally, you know, and uh, then on the last, we were there. To we were there one night or two nights. I can't remember. Maybe one night only. Because, you know, we had like two horses with us from that guide. And the guide was saying, look, my horses cannot survive here. We have to go back immediately. I mean, one night, and then we have to go back because there's nothing else, you know. And what he did was really interesting. There were some little bushes, not really bushes, but he kind of, you know, creepers, you know. And then he pulled out those creepers, and then he took off the skin from the from the roots and burned it or something, you know. And that he gave to the horses. <laughs> they didn't have much with him, you know, to because it was like a long, long, long way, you know. The horses would not survive in that area and we also wouldn't survive so uh so we were there was only one night and in that night i couldn't really sleep but i tell you that was the most fouled night i ever had because i woke up in around really middle of the night and i had to go small toilet huh? pp and then ran out and because of this high altitude you you know it's the sleep is very thin it's like you don't feel like you're sleeping and uh and also the blood pressure is high and of course you have to may go often on toilet so i was like running in the night out on the toilet it was icy cold this was in the beginning of june you know and it was maybe minus eight minus ten or something it, it was really freezing cold and i came out and it was dark night of course yeah? and then i looked in the sky and there were like millions of stars i have never seen such a sky i tell you i was really baffled that was really amazing and seeing that sky i went like i was like wow this is a darshan that's actually that's the that's like a full darshan of lord vishnu i mean having uh the full rasi uh, uh on the sky you know with all the nakshatras with all the planets i was amazing and that that was really that was the most exciting thing and uh in the morning when we woke up we still 
went for searching Charligram and there's a little shrine over there which they have recently installed, installed, I don't know, but uh, yeah, put a, a old statue of, of Narayan there and a huge, huge Charligram was there and one manuscript, I think it was the Mahabharata or something, uh, old handwritten manuscript in that shrine, which is open, no? open shrine. Yeah. And um, and then I, I was sitting a little bit desperate and no Charligrams and I like looking at the Kund and then my, I, I, I spotted there were some little small round ones I, I saw and then I digged with the feet, you know, like look is this some rubble or is it really shaligram? And then I digged in the ground and I found more shaligrams, digging, 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 digging. And then there were like hundreds of shaligrams came out because they're inside the ground. Really oh, they're not just on the top, so you gotta dig. Yeah, they're all over the place, but digged inside. Wow. That was really like like, oh wow. So, so how did you yeah. choose which ones that you wanted to take with you? Mm, yeah, the special way how they look like Varaha and Hayagriva, some special forms which you have not seen. Those, yeah, I distributed to different mats, like uh, some Gaudiya mats, some temples in, in uh, wherever I went. I went to Bangalore giving some nice Sudarshana. So different temples I were distributing to friends of mine, you know, so all all got some small shaligrams, like uh, I gave to one to Nisinga Maharaj, uh, he made uh, like to his uh, to his Lakshmi Naras, or Yoga Narasimha, he made a nice one, you know, like a garland, mm -hmm. so like that, you know. Do you still mm -hmm. have shaligrams from that time? Yeah, 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 yeah. I kept them, you know, one or two. Right. <laughs> Beautiful. That's wonderful. Yeah. So then when did your attraction for Lord Nursingadev kind of um you know come come about I think that was the uh I mean you know as I said on my first trip going to Kanchipuram and staying there with a lot of Vararaj that was some revealing thing that uh, because there's a yoga Narasimha in inside the temple which actually said that uh, Narasimha came from Ahobilam and uh he chased that demon and that demon went into that cave and then yoga Narasimha manifested there i would like uh i think that was because that yoga Narasimha was very beautiful and um i went there every day for darshan and uh just i could just stand there for long and um and that i think was the start and then initially you know on the german farm because in that time you know when Hari Kesh was opening up his drama and uh and we all got you know all illusion away and uh Mm, that uh, yeah, the, the the movement has to um, change his, his his system also of uh, dealing with with devotees and uh, especially with ladies also, and uh, that like uh, gave a whole new picture. And I was on the farm in that time. We had around fifty people on the farm, and it just happened. Harikesh left, and uh, all of them left, and um, I was there with some other devotees, Pujari, that's it. We were like just two people. And uh, remember, you know, every morning, early morning, Mangalati and Dashanati, I was singing Samsara Dava alone. I looked, nobody in the temple room. I was singing wow. huge temple room, nobody there. And, and then suddenly I thought, okay, I'm not doing it for the crowd there now because nobody's there. I can do it for myself. And Narasimha is there and he smiled at me and 
that was open up, I think, my connection. And I was staying there for a very long time and doing the seva, and um, I became, yeah, I became even for a short time temple president for five people, and I was the pujari, <laughs> pujari also at the same time, you know. <laughs> Like it was a very interesting time, and I could uh, start my relationship with Narasimha more deep, and um, yeah, and that was also the time when I did first that CD with Narasimha Stotravali because uh, because I was thinking I I should do some recording with uh, which gives for the next generation also music which is done traditionally in prayer of Lord Narasimha. So mm. that's something I I was really going. What interests me is that um, when devotees in ISKCON or Hare Krishna movement, they talk about Lord Nursingadev, it's mostly in the context of, please protect me, please do this for me, please do that for me. What's your outlook on being a devotee of Lord Nursingadev? That it's, I assume that it's not all about just protect me. There's also other prayers that can be given, that can be added <laughs> to Lord Nursingadev. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? I mean, <clears throat> you know, because you know, it's like, like, sorry to interrupt you, but it's like about it's about the Lord being our order supplier. It's like, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me. That's the only mm. thing that I hear, right? Prayer wise. Mm. I mean, that was uh, exactly why I went to South India because I could not believe that Narasimha is just uh, the. Um, the vicious supplier, and uh, you know, and and also that he is only there for cleaning two words, like Bhakti Taco has done in his prayer. He is a, a cleaner for the worship of Radha and Krishna. Yes, for a, a Gaudiya, that is definitely the concept. And um, but I thought more like I'm much more. In 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 how I say and I want to be more in connection with his personality than just to be a cleaner for my worship of Radha and Krishna, which mm. I also didn't feel this is my bhava, and uh, so I really feel like this Murali Gupta, you know, being uh, in the movement where people are strangling and pushing me like you have to worship Radha Krishna. It's like yes, I like, but I have. You know, my heart is something pulling me, something else. And uh, finally, I, I, I realized I cannot go against my nature, so I have to find out what uh, what Narasimha wants from me. And uh, it's he's not my wish supplier, never he was be. I actually never went for Narasimha in a way that, uh, you know, now this prayer should be bringing me this and this result. It is more like uh, like getting uh, in the car, and the first thing we do, we chant in the car, Namaste. <laughs> yeah, okay, that is. I can drive 150 and Namaste and Narasimha. Yeah, yes, uh, that is. Uh, that is good. <laughs> That's a good thing. But uh, yeah, no, it's like uh, uh, I really wanted to uh, see if there's more, and definitely there's more. I mean, this is. Uh, he is, is the Lord of the Lords. He is uh, the most powerful one, and uh, he can, you know, reveal. Because there's there are rahasyas, we say in Sanskrit, and uh, there are secrets about these things, and which, uh, like, uh, I'm I'm working on the... I'm still working, I can say. <laughs> Somebody will say, oh, you're still working. Yes, I'm still working on that Nisingata Pani Upanishad, uh, which actually was the time we wanted to bring out already before COVID, but... Um, 
due to those uh, problems with communication. And so I, I could not go further, but we almost finished the translation. We did uh, uh, the, the Sanskrit editing and uh, it is just uh, on the way to bring out as a book like we did, we are planning also for the Manusukta. But um, yeah, so from that Nisinga uh, Tapani, there is so much more than just uh, a wish fulfiller, yeah? because mm. it is really the life and soul of everything. Um, and I, I've see, uh, may people say, ah, oh, there's no much rasa except the dasya rasa, and uh, you cannot go further. But Prabhupada also writes in, in some of the commentaries, and and uh, I don't know what is it, the eighth canto, I think, where he says that um, there's a sabatsalya relationship. I'm not behind the relationship anyway. I'm. I just want to be a servant, which is, I think, the correct way. And also, I'm a little bit hesitant. People say, "Oh, you're not a Simma Bhakta." I would say to declare oneself to be a Sangha Bhakta and then being a tough guy also, and uh, um, that is maybe not the proper attitude because just because not a Simma is tough and he's a Ugra, doesn't mean that his Bhaktas has to be uh, like that. Actually. Uh, you have to be uh, more humble and you have to be really, um, how do you say, like soft, like a cushion. No? Uh, uh, because not a summer, he can be also quite heavy <laughs> in relation to that. I mean, saying uh, that um, there's, there's much more than just, uh, um, you know, all the rasas, when you talk about rasa anyway, uh, are based on, on dasyam. So you ha definitely have to develop that uh, relationship of dasyam before you can even speak about others. So if you don't have that relationship of dasyam, there will be no vatsaya and madhuya, not to speak about madhuya. Right. So uh, dasyam is the basis. You, the concept is here, uh, you know, like these different forms in Vaikuntha you may attain. But uh, there are prayers where even... Uh, some of these devotees of Narasama will uh, they say, I don't want to be having a Swarupya or a Swavipya or a different, uh, you know, like looking like him or being like him or the smallest, the smallest, biggest, the biggest. So I just, uh, I want to be serving him. So that is like a very, okay. Yeah, that, that, is, uh, that is the point. If, uh, yeah, so that's, that's really interesting. I, I really appreciate that. I feel like devotees can come in all different kinds of moods because the Lord is so um, he's not limited to certain moods. It's like whatever the devotee approaches him with, he's able to reciprocate in that way, whether it's you feel connected with the Krishna worship or learn Simade worship Lord can accommodate that. And it's not that one is wrong, right and one is wrong. It's like sometimes devotees have this real narrow view of what Krishna consciousness is but actually it's like or it's like so much bigger than we think it's like not just okay this is the right way this is the right way but there's it's it's accommodating all different kinds of rasas all different kinds of moods and uh attitudes and everything and i i mean it take a it took it takes a little while to get to that point and again mm. we can think we can think very narrowly but as time goes on I don't know. Just becoming a, a father for me, it's been it's been really interesting because I've I've just like broadened my view about everything. Like, because kids are kids require you to do that, right? Because kids right. are they're very sometimes they can be difficult, sometimes they can be easy, and 
they are they're very innocent, you know. So I don't know. That's my own experience of of uh, Krishna consciousness and and broadening my vision of what moods the Lord can uh, definitely. Take. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Let's take some. Uh, let's see some questions. Maybe some questions in the comment section. A lot of devotees here watching. About fifty over to the different platforms. Uh, here's a question, Prabhu. Can you kindly comment on Devalaya astrology? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's um, like uh, connected to the uh, to the worship. It is um, like uh, as one can predict or one can say why there is some problems in the temple. For instance, is, is, if there is uh, uh, some mishaps, let's say, like we had an, uh, I can give an example. There is a Shiva temple or a kind of, yeah, there's a Shiva temple in Poland, um, which um, happened to be that just when they started to, to build the temple, there was an accident of a man who almost killed himself. And when they were opening up the uh, the Gavagriha and uh, did the Pranapatishta for the Lingam, uh, a small girl got um, killed in the kitchen. And people would ask, why happened that? We just want to go do or, you know, some uh, really blessing for this, uh, but maybe we have, you know, crisscrossed something which we don't know. So Devalaya was to can give it definitely an answer to that. Or let's say there is... Um, um, like, you know, as a priest, when you go to a temple, you always has to, you have to take some shakuna, which means that you have to look, I mean, not, I'm not very much superstitious, but there are some points in, 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 uh, in our incident where it gives us a hint. There is some problem here. For instance, I was, uh, coming to one temple in Europe and, uh, they gave me a, a, a separate room for living. And um, above of that of that room, there is uh, there was the Maraji Ashram, and um, I woke up early in the morning and I was hearing a woman crying uh, all the time. And then, uh, but we were planning to do a pratishta for uh, for Mahalakshmiya for for Radharani there. So that is like you know a hint. Some problem is there is that maybe the energy for 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 that uh, pratishta might be not they are very prevalent or they will be not very supportive. So uh, Devalaya Vastu can also give you an answer to this. And uh, on top of it, we do we do have uh, some other, uh, how you say, tools to find out um, how we can do it better. Mm -hmm. So Devalaya Vastu means it's uh, Devalaya Astro Astrology, Jyoti, sorry. Uh, Devalaya uh, Jyotish is there for uh, correcting ourselves in the connection with the deity worship. Do, when you were talking about that lady crying, is that like an omen, like a nimitta? Yeah, that is naimitika. Yes, uh, uh, not naimitika. Sorry. Uh, yes, uh, it's a shakuna. Yeah, it's an omen which gives us some some understanding that first of all, maybe the ladies were not properly maintained in that place, or they had definitely some difficulties. And uh, but the female energy also is in a not very good position, so that has to be rectified, and we has to we have to talk this out, and uh, there's a solution for that also. Yes. So did you tr did you bring that to the attention of the authorities, and and you tried to work that out before you yes. did all that stuff? 
Yes. Oh, interesting. Mm. I'm really interested in uh, Nimitta's like omens. I know, you know, in Achuta Nanda Prabhu's book, um, Blazing, Blazing Sadhus, Fires, yeah. Blazing Sadhus. Mm. Sadhus, yeah. Yeah, Prabhupada, Prabhupada, uh, he talks about all the omens that Prabhupada would like look for. And there's so many. It was so yeah. interesting because, um, you know, Prabhupada, people say, oh, Prabhupada didn't care about astrology. He didn't care about all these things. I think, but, it, it says in the book, uh, Ajutananda Prabhu describes all the different superstitious things that Prabhupada was kind of thing, uh, talking about. And it was like so many. Like one of them I remember was you're not supposed to talk about laundry when you're leaving the house. Mm. So, so, and when, or else your journey won't go well or something. So, him and Prabhupada and Achyutananda were going somewhere. And Achyutananda was like, Prabhupada, but what about the, what about the hanging um, doti? Should we like take them off before we go and stuff? And Prabhupada said, stop talking. And he, and then, <laughs> but Achyutananda said, what, but Prabhupada, if we don't get it out, it's going to rain. And they, Prabhupada said, stop talking right now. And then Achyutananda stopped talking and they went. And then later on, Prabhupada talked to him. He said, listen, don't ever talk about laundry when you're leaving the house because it could be something bad. I don't remember what it was exactly, but mm. that was the point. So very interesting. I, I'm i very interested in, in, in uh, omens. I think that's super fascinating. Let's look at another question here. <clears throat> um, what do you think about the predictions regarding impending problems in cities? I think this is referring to a different podcast that I did with um, – her Grace Govinda Dasi, uh, one of Prabhupada's very earliest disciples, she, she was talking about in 1973, Prabhupada said, in 50 years, this Western civilization will be finished. And so now 50 years is coming up to 2023. So I guess she's referring to that. Maybe you can, mm. I don't know if you want to comment on that or not. I mean, it's like, uh, uh, you know, that's not the first time we hear that in... In, in the time of Prabhupada, people he he wanted that his devotees uh, create farms and, and live on farms. Yeah, I mean that is quite obvious. And uh, um, he said use the use the cities as for for preaching and uh, but you have to live in, in in a good environment. So especially for most of us who are householders, that definitely should live in a good environment to uh, have that you know sattvic lifestyle because you know living in the city is totally you know, ruled by Thomas and uh, Rajas, which will bring you just suffering. And uh, I'm myself living in a city in Berlin, and I, I, it's like uh, I, I'm trapped with that uh, Ketu Naga. I cannot leave the city because of my karma here. <laughs> but once I know, I should focus on this and, and go out and, and live in, in a place where, you know, one can find better harmony and live uh, in, in a place which will bring much, much more happiness than uh, with, a, you know, living in a 13-store floor and uh, having just uh, two rooms. Nice, I have a nice view on this crazy city. And But think about electricity goes off and you cannot uh, come down. And I like it. It's a hell living in a city, actually. Living in a city is hell. But uh, but we are, you know, we are, you know, our karma sometimes bind us, bind us to this, uh, to these problems. And, um Definitely, cities will implant uh, uh, will impending uh, problems. There's, there is no question on this. We we know that. I mean, you can look at it. But um, you know, if you are there for a purpose, like doing your your preaching, you have a program which uh, protects you. Then uh, yeah, you will be finding out. You will be unharmed. No problem. Yeah. 
Here's a here's a cool question. Is there any use worshiping deities without Pranapratishta at home? I want to talk. I want to add something to this. Is um, sometimes devotees refer to like deity welcoming. I talked to Brahma Mohurta Prabhu about this like way back in uh, the early podcast. Early podcast. Yeah, but I want to see. I want to see your take on this. Like, what is this thing that started called welcoming deities? I think there's a, a some. I think there's some confusion there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you see, there's a most simple pranapatishta which is done on the moti, but it should be done before you do a worship. And um, it is like uh, how, how to explain it in, in a way that that people can understand. It's um, like normally when you uh, want to, you know, make a form ready for worship like a, like an actual form which is made by a stapati, um, then all the lakshanas, all the different gestures and uh, uh, and mimics from the face and, and the body size and the finger size and has to be perfect as most possible as possible, you know, as, as possible. When you do a worship for a temple, when you do it for your home, the standard goes down a little bit, but still, uh, these also, you're not just a lump of, of, of metal and you say, okay, that's like a goni tie. No, it should be look resembling somehow goni tie. And then once it is there, the moti is there, you have to do some very minor, it's a very simple puja. You don't need to, but that, that has to be, you know, done in a way that, uh, that the worship can start. It's like a, it's like a good start. It's, um, and it doesn't need to be Homa and Netro uh, Nilayam opening the eyes and all that. It's it called Narisnan. You take it to a to a river, you bathe the Muti in the river, and then you put him up and then you start the worship. Very simple. Really? Even could it be a river here in New Jersey as well? It should be a Nadi, means uh, a river which is ancient. I mean, ancient means uh, has to, to be ocean. deep. Oh. It leads to the ocean or it's deep, you know? Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm. Oh, which oh, is okay. ancient. It's maybe glorified in a way by the Red Indians or like, uh, right. you know, by, by some tribals or some shamans or whatever. But it should be, there should be antiquity that this river has nurtured humans for a very long time. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Thank you. Hare Krishna Prabhu, great conversation. I live in Dallas and I would like to learn the proper procedure to perform a fire yagya. How is the best way to learn the process? Hmm. How is the best way? First, you have to choose from what tradition you want to learn. Once you decide you had, uh, um, you get set up uh, yourself in, in a way that uh, you learn it in one tradition and you learn the mantras in one tradition and that will bring the best benefit. So that means if you do uh, cherry picking, that will be very difficult. Like I can say for myself, I was doing cherry picking in the beginning. I was going to different, uh, you know, groups, reading Rig Veda and then the Sama and then putting it all together. But, you know, my pronunciation was not good and I was not learning it from a from a teacher or no, I was not having the proper learning. So best is you stick to a school from where they will teach you every step in that ritual. And then you learn it according to this. And that ritual will bring the most powerful result, not just the result, which will be, it will be a blessing. Like in, in, in some of my rituals, people just sit there and they're saying, 
like I'm doing for sometimes for yoga people who have no understanding or very less understanding with what is bhakti about or devotion and, and rituals, but they can feel that there's something here it's doing with myself. Yeah? And so that ritual can be a very powerful one, very powerful tool if it comes in, in, in the tradition. This is a uh, related question. What would you say to someone who desires to learn worship and has learned things online, but desires to learn more in length? Hmm. Yeah, online is good to a certain extent. Um, <clears throat> you know, how to learn Achman and uh, how to learn Pranayam. But uh, for instance, if you want to learn mudras, um, of course, I know not many Gaudias uh, prefer to mudras, but. Um, you know, there are a lot of mudras which are in the Vaishnava tradition and uh, there are prayoga mudras which are used in a way that is more like a showing thing. Like when you want to show Narasimha mudra, it's like a, it's going inside, taking out and putting around and that like going along with the mantra that you cannot learn on 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 video, I would say, because uh, the teacher has to explain it in, in, in a way, or in, in a book, you cannot learn that in a book because Prayoga Mudras. So this is just a crooky uh, example, but in general, it is always good to learn when you sit in front of a people from who you can learn. And I think there are many now in America who teach proper uh, worship, of course, in India, and uh, you can learn also in Europe, there are few people who teach. So. Uh, the eagerness will bring you to the good people. Yeah. Mm. Okay, great. Hare Krishna, I have heard that by chanting Narsingadev prayers, you can lessen the impact of Shani. Do you know anything about this, Prabhu? Mm. Yeah, there's this prayer, 16 prayers from the Vishnoda um, Muttara Purana, I think, as um, the prayer of Shani to Lord Narasimha which has uh, different swaras also, uh, with different melodies inside, uh, different, you know, anustup, tristup, some other way of chanting it. And um, that is mostly known that Shani has worshipped Narasimha, the Vishnu Dhammotara Purana. And uh, yes, it will lessen Shani, uh, um, um, who is ruling destiny, because Narasimha is the lord of destiny, and. Uh, he can definitely remove Shani in a in a bad way. Uh, like you could say, Prahlad had a bad karma because having a you know bad father, which uh, uh, you know. Um, but you know because he worshipped Narayana, he was protected and uh, he be even became king. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like that. Great. All right, that's all the questions that we have. <clears throat> uh, if you want to get in touch with Amar Prabhu, you can get in touch with him via email. Uh, here's his email up on the screen, M-A-L-O-L-A-Malola at gmx.de. You can email him. He also has a wonderful website, uh, samskaras.org. Uh, it's tickering there down at the bottom, samskaras.org. Uh, you can check out his Oh, sorry, .com. Yeah, my bad. .com. You can check out his website uh, here. Oh, I'm trying to share it, and it's not working. Hmm. Uh -oh. The music was the technique. Hello. Hello. Can you still Hello. hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Oh. <laughs> Something oh, happened. It's not, it's not. It's like not responding. Chrome. I'm using Chrome. 
give it a Chrome Chromex. Use Chromex. Anyway, uh, Amar Prabhu, do you want to give a, like a um some parting words or some closing statements to your to your podcast here? I'd I'd love to hear what are you know what our listeners everything that you said maybe you can just tie it up somehow. Hmm. Uh, uh, you know, one has to search for his own. I like. Uh, I like this. You know, I started with Astarata. He was when I was uh, when I was very young uh, and learning from him the puja. Uh, he was telling me that um, you know you look at the sky when the, all the the birds are flying. Um, they're flying in a group, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, each bird has to bring his own power to fly in that group. And each bird is individual. And uh, so um, that is the, I think that was a very nice meditation for myself because I was thinking, yeah, I have to fly my own own way how it is. But uh, in, yeah, I want to develop. I want to uh, stay in the Vaishnava community. And uh, um, yeah, like that. Uh, that was, I think, uh, a very big impression. And uh, and I'm, you know, very thankful to the, to Prabhupada and to the to the devotees, and um, that that I could, uh, you know, get out of my material concepts of, you know, there's this other devotee was telling me in the beginning, like you are, uh, you are like a terrorist living in this world because you hate the governments, you you don't want to cooperate. We are very close. Huh? Because one of these RF terrorists was saying that in this life you or in this in this world you cannot you can only become a terrorist or a monk, because a monk is also like a terrorist because he's, he's like you know, right? So, you know that is an extreme standpoint. But uh, in in my in, in in my perspective, it made sense because I, uh, you know, the world made no sense to me. But then with God, it made suddenly sense and uh, it everything fall into a proper perspective mm. great well thank you uh amar prabhu for joining me it's really a pleasure to talk to you and i love hearing uh, more deeper about your story and about your love for rituals and samskaras and lord nasingadev really wonderful very inspiring uh, i'm hoping we can be in association soon it's been so many years yeah uh, but it was great talking to you yeah. uh Thank you, everyone, for listening. We're having, um, an, I think we have another podcast next week. Uh, and I'm trying to get to 100 episodes by the end of the year. I think we're going to make it on 86 right now. But uh, have a great rest of your evening. Omar Prabhu, I'm going to shut this off because I'm actually still not, it's like not responding. So hopefully it, it, um, I'll, I'll contact you after this. I'll probably call you on your phone instead of. Uh, Super. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Ram. 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 Jainism. No. So I'm online still. Hello, hello, hello. I'm